0: The following program is proudly supported by the Community Broadcasting Foundation, cbf.com.au.
1: Restricted license holders, including learner, P1 and P2 drivers and riders, are not allowed to use their phone at all while driving or riding. This includes use of hands-free, Bluetooth functions, and on-phone GPS navigation. It's not worth it. Get your hand off it.
0: First episode of the Road Safety in Focus series, we conducted an interview with New South Wales Minister for Multiculturalism, Mark Curay, in which he discussed the licensing process in New South Wales and what it entails, including a brief overview of the graduated licensing scheme and which drivers it may apply to. Today, we're diving further into the graduated licensing scheme to explain why it was introduced, how it works, its different phases and stages, as well as the rules, requirements and restrictions Restrictions for drivers at every stage from the learner to the P2 phase. This is of particular relevance to people who have come to New South Wales from another country or even another Australian state or territory which has a graduated licensing scheme that may be different to the one here in New South Wales. So, for the sake of those people and any others who are confused or overwhelmed by the New South Wales graduated licensing scheme, I'm reaching out to a very knowledgeable man who we've already heard from on a number of episodes. Head of Transport Safety, Security and Emergency Management at Transport for New South Wales, Peter Dumphy. Peter, it's great to have you back on Road Safety in Focus.
1: Yeah, thanks all for having me again and uh, it's great to be on the In Focus series.
0: Thank you so much. Now, let us start off at a very logical point in this discussion. When was the graduated licensing scheme first introduced in New South Wales and Why?
1: Yeah, well, look, um, we all know that um, you know, a really important step in everyone's life often is getting their licence because it does uh, give you the ability to be able to, um, whether it's um, getting to your job or whether it's getting to university or to take or accessing health services, mobility is a really important issue. So we also know that sadly, a lot of the deaths are um, from young drivers and they're overrepresented in those numbers. So. The Graduate Licensing Scheme was first introduced in 2000, which was the year of Sydney Olympics. And it was really designed to ensure that we prepare young drivers through their uh, development and their learning in terms of driving. So it, it sets up a process to allow people, particularly young people, to learn and confidently be able to um, to drive on the road.
0: So I understand that the graduated licensing scheme has undergone some changes since it was first introduced. On how many occasions has the GLS been amended and what did the changes consist of?
1: Yeah, look, it's, uh, there have been changes. So as we sort of learn more about um, what's important in terms of safety and some particular areas, there have been some additional fine tuning of the graduated licensing scheme. And when we talk about that, we're talking about from a learner's um, licence through to a, um, a red P1 licence through to a green P licence before you go to a full licence. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the changes, in the first major change since the requirements put in place was in December 2016. And that included a ban that applied to the P1, which is the red licence holders and learners' mm-hmm. drivers from using uh, mobile phones while driving or riding. And that was extended in 2016 to uh, the green P2 licence holders as well. Uh, and that ban was really to not only stop people who are on either their P licences or their learner's licence to not to use um, either mobile phones or handheld devices, that could include GPS systems or anything like that that may distract them while they're driving or learning to drive. The other change which occurred was in November of 2017 and that was roughly to align us more nationally in terms of when drivers needed to do certain tests mm-hmm. that were required and the um, there were some changes in terms of when the um, hazard perception test was required previously, that was done during your um, P2 licence. Yep. That was changed to the, um, the P1 licence and there was an extension. All uh, right. An extension of P2 periods for high-risk drivers where they were suspended. So they've been the major changes um, over that period.
0: Okay, so we'll slowly get into more details about some of those things that you just mentioned, but what kind of special licence conditions or restrictions apply for learner licence holders in New South Wales?
1: Yeah, so if you're a learner licence, which is the the entry point I guess into um, the pathway to a full licence, there's a number of things that learners must do. Firstly, they must follow the road rules and they need to pass the driver's knowledge test to demonstrate that they understand the road rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, you must have a supervisor present at all times when you're driving as a, a learner, and mm-hmm. that supervisor is someone who's got a full Australian driver's licence. In regards to passengers, uh, you can drive with some um, passengers in the car, but obviously you also need to have a supervisor in the car at the time. Right. In terms of the driving to uh, as a learner, you also need to have uh, your L-plates on the front and back so that's clearly marked people can see that they are driving near a learner driver and take those extra precautions. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are limits also for a learner driver in terms of the speed in which they can drive. So there is a restriction of not driving above 90 kilometres per hour. Uh, as I talked before, the mobile phones are banned so you can't use mobile phones for driving. Mm-hmm. And um, there's some other requirements around, um, particularly around alcohol, that you not to have any alcohol content in your system while you're driving, you're not allowed to throw any other vehicle. As a learner driver, there are parts of Sydney that you can't drive in, so Parramatta Park and Centennial Park are two areas um, that are prohibited from learner drivers, and you're also not able to drive a high-performance vehicle, and that's because high-performance vehicles can accelerate very fast, and certainly uh, learner drivers don't have the, um, the skills yet to be able to handle those oh, right. vehicles.
0: So, Peter, do these special licence conditions or restrictions also apply when they drive in other Australian states or territories? We've already mentioned the fact that other Australian states and territories may have their own graduated licensing scheme, but um, yeah. would the New South Wales rules for these drivers necessarily apply to them in those other states?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, if you're driving under your learner's uh, licence, you certainly need to follow all the requirements and are required in New South Wales. But if you are going to another jurisdiction, you should also check to see if there are any other additional uh, requirements or controls that are in place for those jurisdictions.
0: You mentioned that the maximum speed limit for learner drivers is 90 kilometres per hour. That was previously 80, wasn't it, at some stage?
1: Uh, Yeah, so some of these things have changed over time. And, yeah, 90 is the um, maximum speed limit, and, uh, of course, that reflects, I think, the fact that there are higher speeds mm. on some roads. You still need to observe all the road rules, so if the speed limit's obviously below 90, you've got to observe those rules. But it does take into account that there are some stretches of um, highways that are at 110 kilometres, and, again, in those areas, um, people can drive up to 90
0: All right. Fantastic. Now, stage by stage, let's discuss some of the finer details associated with each type of license in the graduated licensing scheme, starting with learners and who is legally allowed to supervise a learner driver?
1: Yeah. So if you're a supervisor of a learner, anybody who has a full Australian driver's license can supervise. And I say if all Australian one has to be um, a driver's licence from an Australian jurisdiction, it can't be an international driver's licence, but but certainly if you've got a licence from any of Australian state and territory jurisdictions, you can be a supervisor of that learner.
0: So nobody who's on their P1 or P2 can supervise a learner driver?
1: No, that's right. You need to have the full um, Australian driver's licence for um, to be a
0: supervisor. Now, what are the minimum requirements learner drivers need to meet before progressing to the next stage of the graduated licensing scheme, so before they go for their P1s?
1: Yeah, so there's a couple of things. One, you have to um, have a logbook, so you need to be able to um, record that you've done 120 hours of driving experience mm-hmm. um, say, um, with the supervisor. Part of that 120 hours needs to be 20 hours of nighttime driving as well. There are some things that you can get extra bonus points for. So Transport for New South Wales subsidizes safer driver courses, which um, there are a number of providers who provide that course. If you do do that course, you'll get an extra bonus hours in your logbook, an extra 20 hours. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, you can also choose to do uh, structured lessons through a, um, a licensed driving instructor. And again, you record an extra two bonus hours for each hour of that structured lesson as well. But many people just elect to use the logbook and, um, and use the supervisor to get through that.
0: So, for those who are possibly in more of a hurry to get their P1s, <laughs> they yeah. could go through that. Um, and yeah. they can do that over a period of how long before they. So, what's the minimum amount of time they need to have spent on their Ls before they can do that?
1: So it is um, 12 months and um, there's one other thing that you do need to also do during that period and that's your hazard perception test. So you can do that once you've held your learner's licence for um, for 10 months mm-hmm. uh, and um, that's a, um, a computer-based test that you need to do but that will then needs to be done before you can um, go for your driving test and your driving test can be done. Once you've completed your 120 hours, but you also need to have that 12 months as well on your, your learners. mm
0: mm-hmm. So they can attempt the hazard perception test at any time after that 10-month mark, even if they haven't yet completed the full 120 hours?
1: Uh, that's right, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. All right. So um, Peter, do the requirements for learner license holders differ for people over 25 years of age?
1: Yeah, so what I was just talking about then was um, for anybody, for younger drivers who Mm -hmm. are probably not, that have quite the life experience of someone over 25. Uh, So yes, there are actually some changes in terms of if you're going for your licence and you are over 25. So one of the changes there is in terms of that hazard perception test, you can take that at any time. You don't need to wait uh, 10 months for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't need to complete the 120 hours of driving experience. Mm-hmm. Before you drive in tests, yep. uh, you can take your driving test um, when you feel confident that you've got the experience and the skills to be able to um to pass it. So you, your learner's license is valid for five years, but you can progress through to your um to um when you believe you're ready.
0: All oh, right. So technically, a 25-year-old, for example, would be able to get their learner license and then three or four months later, when they feel like they've developed enough skill, they would be mm-hmm. able to do their hazard perception test and then apply to do the driving test at That's that right. point. That's
1: yeah. Yeah, so you've got some more choices. You don't need to wait for 12 months and actually go for um, your hazard perception test and mm-hmm. then you drive. You need to have that done before you can for your driving test. but. Mm-hmm. You can you can speed that process up if you're over 25.
0: All right. So, Peter, all learner drivers, regardless of age, need to do the hazard perception test. What is the aim of this test and how is it different to the driver knowledge test?
1: Yeah, so the driver knowledge test is more about the road rules and understanding uh, what you need to do in terms of being on the road in terms of the um, Australian road rules. The hazard perception test is really about recognising the potential hazards that are on the road mm-hmm. and knowing how to safely respond uh, to those issues. So uh, as a new driver, people are often unaware of the types of hazards that are present uh, on the road. Yes. Uh, and Sadly, they're confronted with one and they're not clear what to do. So the whole purpose of it really is ensuring that um, you are aware of the risks around you, the hazards, and you know what to do to respond. And it's particularly important when you get to the one where you can drive solo, you need to be able to, um, to assess those conditions and respond safely.
0: Yeah, that's right. I think it's a very, very important part of that licensing process. Peter, um, how long do learner drivers need to wait after passing their hazard perception test before they can book or do their driving test?
1: Yeah, so the hazard perception test, um, you obviously need to, for learners, um, to have your learners like, need to. have um, have held that for 12 months. Mm -hmm. So you can essentially do your as perception test probably 10 months into that, Mm -hmm. but knowing that you still need to wait for the 12 months and also have logged that 120 hours people you can book in for
0: your driving test now after passing the hazard perception test and driving test learner drivers move to the next stage of the GLS known as P1 or red P's, where a number of rules requirements and restrictions also apply Peter can you please run us through them
1: yeah, so, so once you've moved on from your learners to your P1, which is really um, also people know it as the red P's, there's a couple of um, positions on which you can drive under that. So firstly, you can drive solo, but uh, a couple of things that you need to do, uh, you can only drive light vehicles, you can't drive heavy vehicles. Is that requirement not to drive a high performance vehicle still a requirement under the mm-hmm. P1s? Uh, you can tow trailers of up to 250 kilograms, they're unloaded. You need to make sure if you're towing the trailer that your quick plate is um, is on the back of the trailer as well for other drivers to be aware. If you um, drive an automatic transmission or a clutchless manual car in your test, that's the only type of car that you may drive from your P's unsupervised. And uh, you can't drive above 90 kilometres, so the 90 kilometre speed limit still applies. Again, the alcohol, um, zero alcohol content, um, like alcohol content still applies for a E1. And as we said before, you can't supervise a learner, uh, and also you can't use your mobile phone while driving. In any form, even hands free. So, there's some of the additional conditions for, um, for a P1 license holder.
0: So, we spoke about the fact that learner drivers can have passengers in the car. Um, are there any passenger limits or rules that P1 drivers need to abide by?
1: Yeah, so for a P1, if you're under 25 years of age, you can have no more than one passenger who's under 21 years of age uh, in the car between um, 11pm and uh, 5am. So there are some conditions there in terms of who you can have in the car and, and at what time of the day. That's
0: quite interesting. Let's move to the next question now. So before changes were made to the graduated licensing scheme, P1 drivers had to pass a hazard perception test to graduate to the P2 stage. Under the current system, that's no longer a requirement. Why was the placement of the hazard perception test moved?
1: Yeah, so what was identified? One is those changes in 2017 were to ensure further consistency nationally, I think, in terms of the arrangements across some jurisdictions. But more importantly, it recognised that those hazard perception tests are really an important part of um, being able to drive solo, which you can do in a, a P1, so it was felt that it was actually a necessary skill and ability to have at the P1 level mm. rather than waiting to get your P2 license uh, and given that uh, the first six months of driving solo is probably the highest risk period for a novice driver, yeah. uh, and it's important that they've got those that, um, that skills uh, before they, they hit the road solo.
0: Absolutely. I guess it makes sense when you put it that way. Now, Peter, what's the minimum period that P1 drivers need to stay on that P1 stage?
1: So after you've um, been on your P for 12 months, you can um, apply for your green P. So 12 months is the minimum period. The P1 licence is so valid for 18 months, so you don't need to apply for your green Mm-hmm. Immediately, of course, you can renew it if you wish um, to stay on the P1s uh, for a bit longer, but yeah, 12 months is the minimum.
0: Okay, and given they no longer need to do a hazard perception test, do P1 drivers automatically graduate to the P2 stage after the 12 month period?
1: Well, there's a couple of things you've got to do um, to get to the P2 license. Mm-hmm. One, it is that time frame, the 12 months there are just a couple of things you've got to obviously uh, again show you proof of identity and also um, pay a license fee but mm-hmm. yeah, on that you can graduate to your P2
0: license. So although they are one step away from an unrestricted license, P2 drivers also have rules, restrictions and requirements they need to abide by. What do they consist of Peter?
1: Yeah, so the rules for um, P2s are slightly different to P1s and learners. Mm -hmm. Probably the key difference is the speed limit increases to 100 kilometres, so the maximum speed limit that you can drive is 100, which is up from 90 for a P1. And of course, obviously, you must observe all the the speed limits below that as well, and Mm -hmm. um, you're driving. You've got to, again, display your um, P-plates, so your P-2 plates. You'll need to display it front and back of your vehicle. Mm -hmm. And again, on the trailer, if you're towing a trailer, again, you can't have any alcohol or blood content. And again, you can't supervise a learner driver. And those requirements on restrictions on the use of mobile phones still continue for a P-2, as does the restriction on
0: Okay. So, Peter, what is the minimum period that P2 drivers need to hold that licence type? So, for P1, it was 12 months?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, for a P2, you need to um, have your green P's um, for at least two years before you can hold a full licence. So, there is like a 24-month um, a period in which you need okay. to drive under the P2 licence.
0: And is there a maximum licence period for P2 drivers?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, the, when you get your P2 licence, it is valid for three years and um, after that time it will expire, but you can renew it. You can either apply vehicle licence once on that two-year period has finished, or you can seek your your P2 licence. I don't
0: know why anybody would want to go back and renew their P2 if they have the option of going to an unrestricted licence, but it's good to know. It's good to know. Now, we've spoken about vehicle restrictions for P1 and P2 drivers. How can they check what type of vehicle they're allowed to drive?
1: Yeah, look, um, again, um, there are the restrictions on those high-performance vehicles, so regardless of whether you've got a, a P1 or a P2 licence, you can't um, drive a high-performance vehicle and that restriction applies to all P placeholders um, regardless. Yeah.
0: And so is there anywhere where they can, for example, go and see a list of vehicles that they may not be allowed to drive before they go off and buy their own car and it's one of those cars?
1: Yeah, so there is further information on the uh, Centre for Road Safety site, so you mm-hmm. can jump on Google um, Road Safety, Centre for Road Safety, and there are further details on it.
0: Wonderful. Now, what consequences apply to P1 or P2 licence holders in the event their licence is suspended or disqualified?
1: Well, look, Um, obviously it's um, a serious matter if you do get either a uh, a suspension or a cancellation, and that does have impact on the timing of when you can progress to your next license. Don't worry that your license is suspended would not be counted towards that twelve month period. Uh, and of course, if the court disqualifies you from driving your P1 license, that's cancelled immediately. That when the disqualification period ends, um, you've got to reapply and got to start again in terms of that full twelve months. So you need to start from scratch in terms of. Oh the- wow. The 12 month period. Uh, if you have been disqualified also for P1 license, you're not to carry more than one passenger at any time for 12 months once mm-hmm. you regain the license.
0: Right. And uh, so that would apply to both uh, P1 and P2 license holders?
1: So yes, yeah, so for a P2 um, license, if you receive any demerit point suspension for a high-risk driving offense, you must stay on your P2 license for an extra six months. So it does actually add a further six months to your, your period if it's suspended and also um, you delayed in terms of um, the suspension period as well, so it's on top of that.
0: So as a result, you may see then people on their P2s who may be on their licence for more than the 24 months or even more than the 36 months.
1: That's right, yes. And I guess that's where we talked before about, well, why would you ever your you think that's where you might need to do it if um, you need extra time to meet the criteria for your uh, full licence.
0: Right. Now that makes perfect sense. Now, what happens after a P2 licence holder has fulfilled all the requirements of that stage? Will they need to pass any additional tests before graduating to an unrestricted licence?
1: No, so um, once you've completed the period, so there's a couple of things that you need to do have um, met to um, to apply for your unrestricted license. So you've got to have met that 24 month period on your P2. There is obviously an eyesight test that you need to all pass, and then the usual proof of identity when you're applying for, um, for your full license, and uh, and obviously the payment of the license fees.
0: All right, wonderful. Now, Peter, I think we've done a pretty good job of covering the graduated licensing scheme and the majority of questions people may have about it. Is there anything you feel is important for people to know that we haven't covered in our interview today?
1: Yeah, look, I think it's just um, particularly the young drivers. Uh, I mean, the purpose of it isn't just, you know, red tape and rules and regulations. Mm. It's really about ensuring that give give um, young drivers the best chance to be able to transition to a full licence safely and to be able to drive safely and confidently on the road with the right um, skills and knowledge. So uh, it's a really important part and we recognise um, that you know it's an important part in people's lives to be able to obtain their licence. Mm. But uh, at the same time, we want to make sure that everybody does get home safely at the end of their um, travels. Mm. So it's really important that uh, people particularly young drivers, uh, are able to do that.
0: And this is just an off-the-cuff question. Um, have we noticed from the crash data that's available to us, do we see that the number of road accidents involving younger drivers has actually decreased after the introduction of the graduated licensing scheme?
1: We have. And of course, last year we saw the lowest level on the road toll of 270 mm-hmm. deaths, which was the lowest in almost 100 years, and that's largely... Because of some of these reforms, and particularly the graduated licence uh, scheme is one of those that has really contributed to reducing the road toll, mm-hmm. uh, there's still more work to be done. Sadly, while um, we still see uh, quite um, you know, too many fatalities, yeah. uh, young drivers are still overrepresented. So there's about 20% of annual road fatalities are attributed to young drivers yeah. when they only- Fifteen percent of all license holders. So you can see that they are overrepresented, and yeah. you know, we need to continue to get those safe driving messages out there. All right. So
0: there is a good indication that the graduating licensing scheme has uh, addressed some of those issues and uh, reduced those uh, car accidents among that cohort. Um, So it's good to know that it is working in that way. Obviously, over the years, they'll continue to refine, no doubt, this system to make it even better and to improve the outcomes for those younger drivers.
1: Yeah, well, that's right. And, um, you know, since the graduated licensing scheme was introduced in 2000, there are many people who are still in the community who wouldn't be, um, have we not have introduced those reforms. So it's always a, you know, a really important and message to know many more people have gone home safely that wouldn't have had we not had the graduate licensing system in place.
0: And in case there are points which have escaped our attention today, where can people go to learn more or inquire further about the New South Wales graduated licensing scheme, Peter?
1: Yeah, well, if you just go to the uh, the Service New South Wales website, there's lots of really useful information there, uh, road safety and what to do in terms of applying for your license. Uh, if you want more specific details, there's also quite a, a lot of information on the Centre for Road Safety website as well.
0: Peter, as expected, you've gone above and beyond in answering and explaining every question and every point regarding the graduated licensing scheme as well as the rules, requirements and restrictions that apply to learner and provisional drivers. As always, it's been a pleasure having you on board Road Safety in Focus.
1: Thank you, Ella, and it's always a pleasure to uh, to join you. Restricted license holders, including learner, P1, and P2 drivers and riders, are not allowed to use their phone at all while driving or riding. This includes use of hands-free, Bluetooth functions, and on-phone GPS navigation. It's not worth it. Get your hand off it.